What is going on, everybody? Hopefully you guys are all doing well. That is right. We show number 192, which technically is our eighth year anniversary. So thank you for everyone that has tuned in uh, over the years. Made it eight years, and we're going to keep rolling forward today. We've got uh, m- multiple topics today. We'll talk about Upper Deck's um, digital set, all only digital set, with some physical um, ties in there. It's called Upper Deck Fusion, and it only costs 79 cents per pack, so that that's interesting. Ben Simmons signed an Upper Deck, signed an exclusive deal with Upper Deck. Thought that was interesting. We'll talk a little bit about the National Sports Collectors Convention. Um, we might be able to get my brother actually on before and after or during that convention. So he might have a little more information on that. I had my first check out my cards on the last show or show before that. We talked about how check on my cards was now allowing um, a lot of its inventory to be channeled over to eBay. If you, the seller, were willing to take a 20% cut on the sale, uh, your your cards were being listed on eBay. So I had my first couple sales. So we'll talk about that. Kevin Durant straight went West Coast and uh, came over to the Warriors. Talk about that. Uh, NBA Summer League. I've been watching this. Uh, more specifically, the Lakers. I've tuned into a couple other teams, other games, um, teams that have good good players to watch. Um, so we'll talk about that, but mainly the Lakers. So sorry about that being kind of a homer segment. And although there's a lot of Laker fans out there. And finally, I saw on Blowout that Jared Goff's mom is actively buying his cards on eBay. So if you have any Jared Goff cards, uh, there is a buyer out there, apparently, among others. So let's start it off first with this Upper Deck Fusion set. I think this is uh, the set itself is not necessarily... um, noteworthy i guess is the way to say it but i think again this is a sign of the times i think this is a trend some of you listening to this show maybe four or five years down the road or maybe even a year down the road might be like well of course this is now the trend on cards but um right now it's a trend that obviously with tops now and obviously this is um you know buying cards digital or buying a digital version of a card i think upper deck had this epac a trademark and a version of it going back uh, many, many years, decades almost. So it's nothing new, but I think with uh, the internet and the way um, spending money online, I really think is where it's come down to is really just spending money. I think about the internet is really only about call it 20 years old. Not even that, you know, spending money online regularly is really only maybe only about 10 years old. I mean, think about that. 10, 15 years old is spending money online regularly. And so um, cards have finally, you know, they they probably trailed the e-commerce industry in general. And so cards have caught up. And so now we're getting, uh, you know, Tops Now is kind of an example of that. These companies, I I think I had a show uh, uh, primarily on this as well, where we talked a lot about how these companies are going to start selling to you directly more. Instead of having to go to a hobby shop, which are slowly dying, instead of having to go to Target, which shelf space gets more and more expensive and gets smaller uh, for the cards, at least. I think the the Pokemon and the Yu-Gi-Oh! and the explosive awareness of Pokemon over the last week due to their uh, mobile app game kind of exploding uh, will probably eat into the shelf space even more of baseball cards um, unless uh, those happen to sell uh, very well. But 
So these companies are going to have to rely on you coming to them uh, uh, to spend money. And I think Upper Deck Fusion is, is an example of how I think we'll see not just one set from Upper Deck EPAC. All these companies are going to be doing this. You know, Tops is doing it to a certain degree with their apps. But I think those will... I think we're already I see a lot of chatter on Twitter how the people are upset with the Walking Dead app and all this tops digital stuff. People are going to get upset with that stuff for whatever reason. They're going to get bored of it. I mean, I saw that before Pokemon Go became the number one app before that Candy Crush was the number app number one app. Well, I know people still probably pay Candy Crush and it probably still is a very profitable game for the game maker. Um you know, Candy Crush is not as big as it once was. Before that, I think it was called some, uh, an app called Draw Something, which is an app I think I messed around with. But how many of you have done anything with Draw Something? And if you listen to this show a year from now, chances are none of you will be playing Pokemon Go. You'll be playing some other copycat version of that game, um, some further iteration of that game. And I think we'll see that with the Tops Bunt apps and certainly upper deck with their epac they're very quickly kind of um evolving it they started out with just one set one way to buy it then they introduced trading and now we have multiple sets and now we have this digital only set where all the cards are digital except when you start completing uh sets so you complete the whole set i think you have to do that four or five times and then you're able to level up to uh, another set and then you're able to level up and level up and level up and then finally you're you're able to level up into actual physical physical cards you can um, have delivered to you if you want to so certainly uh, an evolution of the hobby again i think you know panini did their panini instant or whatever they decided to call it which was just an essentially a, a direct copy of tops now I'd like to see if these companies copy these ideas to add just a layer to it. It doesn't have to be a whole lot, but, you know, don't just copy it just to copy it. I would like to see you guys um, add layers to this. And I say you guys because I know these guys listen to this show. Trust me, guys. We're all friends here. We've been around eight years. So with Upper Deck, I'd like to see them keep leading the way here with the EPAC. They, they certainly have a leg up. They certainly have a great partner. Um, both It appears on the software side, but certainly on the check out my card side, on the distribution side, certainly have a great partner, allowing them to scale up and release these sets a little faster than someone like Tops, who's, who's, who sends me an email every week trying to get me to ship my uh, eTops cards to myself. I still probably have a few dozen eTops cards sitting uh, in an account. And they keep trying to entice me to send them to myself. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait until um, Tops is going to... This is kind of a side tangent. They're going to expire eTops or or do something with it. They're sending out all these coupons in an effort to kind of lighten the load. Maybe they lighten their, their obligation down a little bit. But my guess is there's probably a lot of collectors out there like me that aren't going to budge. If you want to send me these cards for free, then I'll take them. I think Tops will... Well, the deal will get better and then it'll get worse. So um, they'll offer a better deal than they are to ship your eTops cards to you than they are now. But then I think after that, they'll um, the deal will get worse. They'll threaten to take the cards or they'll charge you a, a full price uh, or your cards will be gone or something like that. So I'm anticipating that. I'll have to do something with that at some point. But um, 
you know, my point was, is Tops was kind of in charge of E-Tops, and they had to keep all the cards and, and ship them out and do all this stuff, and they realized really quickly that that wasn't their expertise. Well, that is check out my cards expertise, so it's nice that Upper Deck has them uh, on that side, and then Upper Deck can focus on their expertise, which is making cards, marketing them um, and to a certain degree, or utilizing the NHL license, since they're the only ones that can use that. Really, Upper Deck's expertise is actually using that, and so allowing them to kind of design the cards and, and figure out what sets to make is probably their expertise. So um, last thing on the digital set, I don't know if people are really aware of this or really have thought about this um, to a certain degree. There's certainly values for these cards on Check Out My Cards, and I think we've gone over this, that a lot of the Series 1 Young Guns are very cheaply priced compared to other years of, of Young Gun um rookie cards in hockey now i bought uh many of them well over a few hundred of them and i believe i'm i could reprice them and make money on them now not much sometimes only a few pennies some of them a little more than that some of them i'm probably like 30 40 percent um in the in the uh profit black on um if i were to sell them and not take a discount on them i think that trend will just continue again when you're talking about a 10 cent card for a 10 cent card to go to 15 cents which is a huge move okay that would be like a dollar card going to what a dollar 50 it's a huge move uh, or a hundred dollar card going to 150 dollars so it's the exact same move i think people see these cards at three or four cents to me that shows that there's more upside than there is downside how much more downside can you get in a three cent card how much upside could you have probably a lot that card could be 10 cents and you've tripled your money at that point. Whereas there's a lot of people focusing on buying dollar cards or $3 cards or $4 cards. How much upside is in a $2 autograph of a guy that's not in the league anymore? None. That card's $2 max. Moving on, we'll, um, we'll move on. I have more to say there, but we'll move on. Ben Simmons staying on Upper Deck uh, signs an exclusive deal with Upper Deck. God, Panini must have been sleeping or they're cheap or I I don't know. But uh, Ben Simmons, number one pick, clearly was going to be the number one pick or the kid that went to the Lakers. But I think if you're Panini, you got to get a a deal done here. But I guess maybe Upper Deck had some, maybe they had EPAC money. I don't know. I know that I see the sales and the activity on this EPAC side. I know it's, and this money is going directly into Upper Deck's PayPal account. So it's not like it goes to a distributor who then probably has a net 30 to 90 days to pay Upper Deck. So they sell a box of cards and it takes them six months to get the money. Whereas this Upper Deck EPAC, they sell, they come up with a set and pack sell, and the money goes right into the Upper Deck PayPal account, which I assume can be forwarded directly into a corporate account. So the fact that Upper Deck might have a little more cash than maybe a company even like Panini. And I'm talking about liquid cash at one given time, one given moment when Ben Simmons is negotiating for an exclusive deal, which company has more money? It could be Upper Deck because they, they have uh, more liquidity in terms of some of the sales that they have. Whereas Panini's planning about 100 different sets, literally 100 different sets over the next six months for four different sports, including racing now. 
So um, I think that that's a sign if you're a dealer with this Panini basketball stuff. Uh, you know, you already you already knew this, but you got to be ultra careful with it. This stuff you need to be paying very close attention to what Brandon Ingram is doing. And um, held Buddy Held or whatever his name is for the Pelican looks like he'll put up be able to put up some stats. But there's going to be nothing driving Panini basketball products if Ingram is at. I could totally see Brandon Ingram averaging about nine points, nine ten points this year. He could start, play twenty five minutes a game, and he could average nine points. Um, and, and and I mean. Laker fans could still see tremendous upside and still be bidding up his cards, but the Brandon, just the little I've seen of Brandon Ingram, he's not going to average 15 points a game this year unless he just makes uh, a transformation like I've never seen uh, an 18, 19-year-old basketball player make uh, from now until October. It's just not how the NBA is uh, anymore. Even Steph Curry, I think a lot of people, oh, Steph Curry, greatest player, oh, he's Hall of Famer. Go look at his first seven years in the league. It's not really that, uh, honestly, not really that impressive, to be honest with you. Um, so he's had a good couple years because that's what it takes in the NBA. You've got to work. You've got to uh, build up your game. Even if you're a top pick, you have to develop. So I don't think, uh, in the same lines as Ben Simmons, we could critique his games. I'll, I'll probably talk a little bit more about the summer league in a little bit, but Ben Simmons' game is not going to be 15 points uh, a game. He can barely shoot. Uh, there's probably a lot of us listening to this podcast, including your host yourself, that could probably beat this guy in a shooting contest. He's not a very good shooter. I'd have to see him in warmups. A lot of times in the NBA, and as many of you that have traveled to NBA games in the past probably know this, you can go to an NBA game and watch warmups, and you might see four shots missed. These guys are incredible when they're wide open, in rhythm, in practice, just warming up. If Ben Simmons is bricking those shots, uh, he's, he's he'll barely average eight points a game this year. He doesn't shoot free throws well. Looks like he could get to the free throw line, um, but he doesn't shoot free throws well. He does create exceptionally well. He's an exceptional um, he has exceptional vision and passing ability. I don't know how effective that will be during the regular season though against really good defenders. Off-ball defenders and on-ball defenders. I'd, in the summer league, I saw people back off Ben Simmons. And I actually don't think that's the way you guard him. I don't think he's quick enough to get around you. I actually think you want to crowd him and guard him. Don't allow him the vision. I think smart coaches, smart defenders, smart players will um, realize that. Also, don't forget that the Sixers will be involved in a lot of blowout games. A lot of games that they're getting blown out in. Um, I don't think they will make an improvement this year to where they'll be a, a big winning team, even with Ben Simmons and even if Embiid comes back. So just keep in mind, the Sixers aren't on national TV very much. Ben Simmons isn't going to be a 17, 18 point a player. He might be an 8, 8, and 8 guy, uh, which might be very impressive and might keep the the value and interest around his cards. But um, just keep that in mind as there's all this hype and all this stuff going around on these rookies. Uh, there is a lot of development that's needed by these guys to become actual superstars in the league. Moving right along to check out my card sales. Hey, I had a couple last week that went to eBay. Now, they seem to be batched all around the same time. So my guess is the card sells on eBay 
uh, check out my cards, pulls the card, ships the card, and and then probably somewhere during that process, they probably batch that that sale happened. So same thing probably happens with the Amazon sales as well. And so I noticed that one day I clicked refresh. And I had this is on my hundred dollar account where I, I can you know I only have eight hundred cards in my inventory. So and and quite frankly, I only sell one to two cards per day unless it's a sale or abnormal kind of day. So I clicked refresh one day and I had a couple new sales and I noticed that they if you click on view all sales, if you're in your, your account on checking my cards and you click view all sales, you're able to see a column all, all the way on the right that says it's purchased by. And sometimes it's going to have a username. Sometimes it'll say Amazon. Like for example, I just sold a card on Amazon. Sometimes it says cart. This is if somebody clicks on your card, adds it to their cart and then buys it. So if you want to hide your purchase by name for whatever reason, uh, you can hide it by putting the card in a cart. Um, and then eBay is listed over there. So I had three different sales on there. One was a Ben Roethlisberger card that I bought for $0.33 cents and sold it for $0.80. Cents. Here's the note about that card. Is, here's what's the cool thing about check on my cards um, cross-listing on eBay. Is I bought this card on 7-1. So on July 1st, I bought this Ben Roethlisberger card for $0.33. Cents. I repriced it, I think, for a dollar. In fact, I know I pre- repriced it for a dollar. Because on 7-5, just four days later, the card sold on eBay for a dollar. I received $0.80, cents, which is 20% off that dollar. And so there, there you go, guys. Do you want to sit around on eBay? Buy the card, wait for it to be shipped to you, scan it, wait for it to be delivered to you then, scan it, list it, then have the item end or sell, then package that item up, go all the way to the post office or wherever you got to drop that item off. Then that, yeah, you have gotten your money by then, but technically that transaction is not over till that person's gotten this card and is happy with the sale. That's sometimes the the hardest part of a sale is that very final part. All that is going to take you at least two weeks, a week, two weeks to accomplish that, to buy a card, to get that card, scan it, relist it, sell it, package it up, ship it, have that person get it. That's going to take two weeks. On check on my cards, it took me four days. Another example is I sold a Michael Irvin. Same, I must have bought this from the same a seller was running a sale, um, and sometimes you'll find really good deals if you're on checking my cards a lot. Just go through the sales because there'll be people that are just selling cards way too cheap on there. So someone was selling a 1998 Bowman Chrome Refractor, so old card, Michael Irvin for the Cowboys. I didn't pay. I didn't. I didn't get this cheap, so I paid ninety cents for this card, but I repriced it at probably about three bucks so this is a really nice card these cards are rare remember being alive and being around collecting this set in 1998 and these cards are refractor cards in those days very hard to get sometimes one maybe two per box max so i sold this card on ebay for two dollars and 40 cents and again i bought it on seven one and sold it on ebay on seven five and had the money in my account Last card was Orion Braun. What made this sale kind of interesting was I was not the lowest price on check on my cards. 
So I had this card priced at, I believe, 75 cents. And there were other people on checkout my cards that had the card price lower. But my card, in fact, lower than what I ended up getting for the card. I ended up selling the card on eBay. They took 20%. So I ended up collecting 60 cents. I bought the card for 30 cents back on 425. So a little, little shorter, a little longer, excuse me, turnaround time on this card, this sale. But still not too bad. I have the card for less than three months. That's not that bad. Um, so I bought it for 30 cents, repriced it for 75 cents, was not the lowest price on Check Out My Cards. And in fact, you can get on Check Out My Cards right now and buy this card for 50 cents. So you can get it cheaper than what I sold it for. And there's actually two sellers. Another seller has it at 56 cents. So the, the sellers that have their card on here, that their card would have sold if they would have just cross-listed on eBay. Obviously, these guys don't have their card cross-listed on eBay. So if you haven't done that, go to your account. If you're on a desktop computer, you can hover over where it says hello and your username. Mine says sports card show. You want to go to profile and options. There's a no- Now you might have already done this, but there's another thing. I get this question almost weekly. How I can find two cent cards, three cent cards on check out my cards. I'll tell you that in a minute. You need to scroll down to sell on eBay and Amazon and you need to say yes. And if you cannot accept 20% off, get out of the retail business. Seriously, 20% off on an item is like, is nothing. You should be running at a bare minimum, a bare minimum 50% margin. Even that's low. You want to be in that like doubling your money. I'm at that tripling your money stage. I do not buy a card unless I can reprice it at a triple my price, and I'm still the lowest priced. So obviously I have to do um, you know, quite a bit of searching for that. But you want to turn on uh, sell on Amazon and eBay, and then you want to scroll up to outgoing offers. You might think, oh, what is this? Buying mode. He doesn't label this very well. It's like check out my cards, doesn't label this well, and they should actually make this option a little more clear. But most of you, I think the default is simplified shipping mode, which means 25 cents is added to every card on the site. That way, when you check out to ship those cards to yourself, you play the flat fee of whatever it is, $3.99, $4.99. I don't know what it is. I'm checking my cards right now. I don't ever ship any cards myself or rarely do. Now, if you're buying cards, even if you ship them to yourself, I still think you should turn on advanced reselling mode. This way you can buy more because you're not going to pay 25 cents. This 25 cents per card is now going to be not charged to you. It's only going to be charged to you when you ship your cards to yourself. So it makes no sense to me to pay this 25 cents per card if you're just reselling the cards or if you're going to hold them in your account for maybe a couple months, maybe ship them to yourself, maybe resell them, maybe you're going to decide later. Even then, you should turn on this advanced reseller mode because it'll allow you to spend more money on cards. And then when you are ready to ship the cards for yourself, you just have to pay a little more for shipping. You have to pay 25 cents per card. It's not going to be a big deal. At that point, you might have thought about which cards you really want and, it, it, you know, maybe you don't want 500 base cards of Mark McGuire. You know, maybe you could just do with five. But either way, you're going to want to go to your account and turn on uh, selling on Amazon and eBay because it's going to allow you to sell cards where you're not even the lowest price on the site. 
I would wager that there's probably some people that have sold young guns from check out my cards on eBay. The young gun itself is probably priced at 15 to 20 cents. But if you have it priced 75 cents or higher, it, it, it would sell on eBay. If you go to eBay and search young guns, they sell um, fairly regularly at 99 cents plus shipping. So my guess is people are probably selling these young guns that everybody have said have long been maligned and are worthless. People are, I guarantee you, there's probably been an example of a few sales where people have actually sold those cards on eBay because they have them higher priced. So this eBay thing has opened up a whole new paradigm, especially if a large percentage or a good number of people, for whatever reason, don't cross list on Check Out My Cards, whether they don't know that you can do that, whether they're too cheap. I don't call it cheap. It's too stupid. If you're too stupid, to if 20% is too much for you, go sell perfume or diamonds or something, you know, like where the margins are like 300%, 500%, 1,000%. Got to get comfortable, especially with cards, especially if you're doing large volume like I am. I'm just trying to buy cards for 20 cents and sell them for 40 cents, 60 cents. Obviously, I'm not going to pay my bills um, doing that. But, um, you know, and you're certainly not going to pay your bills doing that one card at a time. So you got to do the volume game. And the way to do that is offering, uh, you know, 20% off every once in a while. Moving on, I'm going to skip the National Collectors Convention. I think we still got another week or two. I should be able to squeeze a show in um, until now and then. And if not, whatever. We'll, we'll, it's in Atlantic City. It's a new venue. So, um, you know, I don't really know what to expect. I don't know anybody else that knows what to expect. I will give you one of my brother's takes. I don't know if he'll be able to give this take um, to you guys. So I will give this take. He did say that the presence of the casinos certainly might uh, affect sales. So if we don't have, um, you know, if there's a lot of, tra- I could see a lot of traffic coming to this from New York because, um, you know, it, it's not not that far away. So I could see people driving to this event kind of in one day, driving over, driving back. So it's not going to be this thing where you drive over and you kind of, you know, maybe stay a night in, at a casino or stay a night at a hotel, maybe blow a little money on, on the side. I, I think there's enough population in that vicinity um, to not the Atlantic City vicinity, but I think uh, the New York region um, that is adjacent to it. I think enough of those people are going to be able to funnel into this event. But I think my brother brings up a good point that there are casinos here. Anyone that spends two, three days there is likely to make a trip there. And you might think, what's so wrong with going into a casino? Maybe every, well, we'll just assume every, every a card collector is a responsible gambler. But keep in mind, at a casino, you're, if you're like me, you're liable, well, if you're like me, you're liable to lose a lot more than, than maybe $100. But let's just take a nominal amount, like 50 bucks. Let's take $50 out of everyone's pocket. Or 30, 40% of everyone's pocket at the national because they went to a casino. They put a couple bucks in a slot machine. Maybe they put a couple bucks in a slot machine and they won. Well, they're going to turn around and go buy a beer or go buy a dinner or go buy their wife a sweater or whatever it is. Maybe there's a gift shop. Certainly some people are going to maybe hit it big. One or two, three people are going to hit it big and then go get an item that they weren't going to buy. 
But I think we're going to have a good number of people at this convention that um, will likely um, blow a little money at the casino, which might put a little small damper on sales. We'll see. The the adjacent region um, in Atlantic City could be enough if they advertise and kind of promote this event well enough. We'll see what happens. But we'll certainly have firsthand accounts on what's going on there um, as my brother's making the trip over there. I do believe he's leaving uh, one day sooner because he has other uh, other vacationing events um, that are going on, as I'm sure he'll make you aware of when he comes on the show. NBA Summer League has been going on in Orlando and Las Vegas. I believe the Orlando one has wrapped up and we're in Las Vegas now. I believe if you listen to this podcast as it's being aired here on the 14th, July 14th here, I believe the finals or the playoffs quote of the Summer League are about to begin. So um, it's always fun to watch the Summer League. Um, Held, H-E-L-D, I can't remember his first name for the Pelicans, uh, can create his own shot. He can play defense. Uh, look like a really good player. Um, certainly someone w- paired with Anthony Davis and some of the other players that they have there at the Pelicans. And certainly with, I believe, Ryan Anderson uh, is not with the Pelicans anymore. He was he, he was quite a prolific shooter, not necessarily every game, but certainly certain games, certainly once a week, twice a week, this guy would, would go off, it seemed like, for a good amount of points. So, uh, And I, I don't know if Eric Gordon is back with them. So the, he could be the one guy that I could see uh, could make a push for rookie of the year very quickly because he's going to probably, and I believe the Pelicans, I heard the coach actually say he used to be an assistant coach for the Warriors. He wants to be in the top five of the league in terms of pace. So they're not going to be dumping the ball down to Anthony Davis. They're going to be running pick and roll with him, but it, they're going to be, that's not going to be every play. They're going to be running a lot of fast break kind of transition stuff. Um, I'm sure if that isn't there or after a made shot, they'll run pick and roll with uh, Anthony Davis. But I could see this held guy, if he stays healthy, he's the one guy that I could see putting up enough shots that could average 14, 15 points a game, which I think is going to look impressive uh, at the end of the year for uh, this group of rookies. And he could end up taking home work of the year. Brandon Ingram, I think, reminds everyone of a young Kevin Durant, just body-wise. If you were to have a, like a non-HD TV, like one of those old tube TVs, and um, you know, watch a game on that, where it's like Kevin Durant's rookie year and Brandon Ingram rookie year, they're going to look very similar. I will say that, that that's where their game stops, okay? They, they look similar body-wise. But Kevin Durant and um, Brandon Ingram are two different players. Brandon Ingram, I think they're both going to be good shooters. I mean, Kevin Durant's already a great shooter, one of the best in NBA history. Brandon Ingram, whether he gets that, I hope he gets to that level. But if he doesn't, um, I still think he's going to be a quality offensive, very quality offensive player. I think he's going to be better. I know he's he's already better at Kevin Durant at blocking shots. He's going to be a better shot blocker, a better probably a better on-ball defender than Kevin Durant is because Brandon Ingram, I saw him a couple times in Summer League where a guy would drive on him and he would have a step on him probably, you know, a half step maybe, maybe Brandon Ingram's right side by side with him. Ingram has such long arms that he's, I saw him block several shots like that where a guy's driving to the lane and he just simply raises up his arm kind of to block the shot as the guy's going up for a layup. As Ingram gets older and loses a step, 
he might not have that advantage, but I think for the next five to seven years, he's going to have that advantage. Where guys, he might not be a great defender with his feet, but he's going to be able to make up for that with his wingspan and be able to block shots that way. So um, whether he becomes as good a re- Durant is a pretty good rebounder. I think Ingram will become a good rebounder too. Um, different kind of games though. Ingram can drive the ball to the basket and, and, and a very impressive up fake, um, on a, on a guy that's not going to make the league, but, um, had a nice up fake on a guy and a dunk. Um, but Ingram's going to be inconsistent. Don't expect this guy to average 14, even without Kobe Bryant there. I, I don't expect Ingram to get enough shots in that offense. Now, if, if the Lakers make some trades or if Russell gets hurt for an extended period of time or Randall gets hurt for an extended period of time, there's going to be enough shots for him to maybe average 15 points, 17 points over a period of time. I just don't see it for the whole season, at least from what I saw in the preseason. Now, the other Laker uh, that you're going to want to keep an eye on, this is for everybody. If you're not a Lakers fan and you pull this guy in packs, I have a feeling if Panini makes cards of him, I have a feeling they will. He was a second-round pick. I don't know. I, I'm assuming he's coming to the NBA. But this guy, I, don't, I can't remember his first name, but his last name is Zubak. Z-U-B-A-C. From, I uh, can't remember what countries he's from, but he says he patterns his game after Marcus Gasol. And again, if you if you watch this on a tube TV, he would remind you of a young Marcus Gasol, which I believe the Lakers drafted as well. Zubek can block shots very well. He he uh, doesn't have much of a vertical, but he has very good footwork. So he's always in very good position to block shots, even though he can't jump up like a DeAndre Jordan. He can block shots very well because his footwork is often in very good position. He can make a jumper. He can make free throws. Um, in my opinion, I thought Zubak um, looked like a very solid center. Now, you might ask yourself, why do I care about a solid center? Fact is, he's on the Lakers. Fact is, he's he was already appeared to be a fan favorite in the summer league. Um, if he plays the way he does, even if it's only for 10, 12, 15 minutes a game, Laker fans love rookies. Okay, When you're in your second year, it's time to win NBA championships. But your first year, everybody loves rookies in, for the Lakers. They'll chant your name. I think they were chanting MVP when he was at the line in the summer league. Zubak was at the line. I believe they were chanting MVP for him. So you can, this is the kind of energy Laker fans bring. Some people criticize Laker fans, often uh, accusing many of them to be bandwagon fans. That is absolutely not the case. Certainly there are bandwagon fans. You see it with the Golden State Warriors. You see it probably with the Cleveland Cavaliers right now. But the Lakers fans certainly have bandwagon fans. They're a great team. They have a big organization. Obviously they have bandwagon fans. But there are fans there that know every single player left and right that are I'm a I consider myself a big fan of the Lakers know a long history of the Lakers ever since I've been alive there are fans that know this team far greater than I do so um a lot of great fans of the Lakers uh my point is I believe they're going to be bidding up this guy's cards as this guy gets autographed rookie cards um I don't think there's going to be tons of them uh, I believe they're going to sell well. So if you pull a white center from the Lakers, you might not think it's going to be much. I think it's going to sell pretty well for a second-round pick that's probably not going to play more than 18, 19 minutes a game. Finally, last topic here. Not even a topic. But uh, Jared Goff's mom is buying cards on eBay. I have, I have a link if you want to go to the show notes on sportscardradio.com. 
Jared Goff's mom is buying cards off eBay, so I have a thread on blowout. A, a couple members said that they sold their cards, so obviously she's regularly buying these cards. Um, just thought that was interesting. Another note about uh, going to sportscardradio.com is you might notice, if you haven't been to it in a while, we are on version what I would call 3.0 now. Started the site in 2008 or 2009, either the beginning of January 2009 or the end of 2008. I can't remember. I did start this podcast in July of 2008, but I did not have a website for the podcast. I had a website for my um, baseball card shop. And I think my hope was when I started this podcast eight years ago was to drive business to my website. I didn't know if I was going to stay in retail much longer. I was, we were in the heart of the recession. I was in the heart of the Central Valley, which if you do research on was was the hardest hit by the recession. I think Las Vegas was hit too, parts of Arizona as well. But I don't believe, I bet if you look dollar for dollar, uh, the Central Valley and including my hometown, I've seen mentioned Stockton itself, I think even went bankrupt in large part because of the recession. Uh, lots of pain in this valley. So having a retail shop where you were selling anything but water or gas or food, even then, saw plenty of those businesses go out of business, seen gas stations come and go even, uh, is a tough time to be in business. So my hope was to start a podcast. I believe this was my hope. A long time ago, I don't exactly remember. But... Um, my hope was to maybe develop a, some relationships with you guys through the podcast and hopefully drive some sales to my website. Um, certainly that could have probably materialized. But what I realized almost by accident later on was putting up free information about sports cards was actually far more profitable on an hourly basis, on a cost basis, on a month-to-month basis. Every, every metric you could look at Giving away cards for free and putting up free information about cards is way more profitable than actually trying to sell them. Even today, even today, as I talk about selling on Check Out My Cards, I talk about group breaking, I talk about all this stuff. The one thing that remains highly profitable for me today and will likely remain profitable for me going forward is a website that is 100% free about baseball cards that has never charged anybody any money unless it was for a um, unless it was for a charity contest so i'll let that sink in 8 years later still doing the podcast in large part because this podcast itself doesn't generate any money that I can see at the end of the month. But this podcast contributes to a website that still generates um, more money than I would make in a lot of jobs that I've had over my life. So think about that. Eight years later, I don't update Sports Card Radio that often. I did, again, my side tangent here was we did just update it to WordPress. I've been on Joomla um, back in 2008, 2009, 2010, Joomla was actually a more was gaining more steam and was more popular than WordPress and more people trying to start very complex websites were using it. I certainly was using it. 
Um, but as the year's gone on, Joomla's lost the community support, has lost um, updates and things like that. And so the the software itself is not worth using anymore. So I had to do a flip to Joomla or WordPress from Joomla to WordPress wasn't that hard. Um, but certainly as you're surfing around the site, you might notice some pages don't work. Some things look funky. That's just the way it's going to be. I'm going to have to I'm certainly in there updating and making some changes um, constantly as we go forward and I'm going to try to make it as nice as possible, but, um, there will be some legacy stuff on that site that just won't, um, you know, look the same. If you notice anything really out of whack, certainly leave me a comment on whatever page it is. That'd probably be the easiest way. Now you can leave comments on sports card radio, any page that you want. You can send me an email sportscardshow at gmail.com. All our social links are on there. Facebook, we're getting tons of, uh, um, you know, I'm spending more time, maybe I shouldn't say that, this is a little tip out there for all you guys out there that have websites or are trying to sell something. Uh, Twitter is, I think you guys probably all saw the stat that Pokemon Go is more popular than Twitter. So if you're spending a lot of time on Twitter trying to sell stuff, trying to get sales, trying to get people to pay attention to you, the bottom line is Twitter's not very popular. Facebook is. Okay, I spend a lot more time promoting our articles, promoting our stuff. If you want to see what articles are being published, what stuff we're doing, follow us on Facebook, okay? Because that's where people are. That's where people click on stuff. That's where people buy stuff. On Twitter, it's a bunch of bloggers and it's a bunch of typically a lot of cynical people, a lot of people looking for a little quick information, quick click, close. They're not looking to click buy. That's what you have. That's what you want if you have a website or an e-commerce stuff. More people are on Facebook doing that than on Twitter. So a little tip there, a little website tip for you there. Um, but you can find all that on uh, sportscardradio.com, all the links to our social sites. Again, the site um, uh, just went through kind of a makeover. Um, nothing special. Uh, many of the pages, and I'm, a, and, and, and I'm working on this as we go forward the next couple of months, more of the pages, if you access this site on the mobile phone in the past, didn't look that good because that's just the way Joomla was set up. That's what in 2008, you didn't worry about necessarily setting up the site to look great on mobile because not a lot of your traffic was going from that way. Now, you know, 70, 80 percent of your traffic is coming from a mobile phone. Um, so, you know, we got to do what you got to do. But. And we're going to do what we got to do here and wrap this show up. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And thanks for tuning in uh, over the past eight years. Again, this is our eighth year anniversary show. Thanks for everybody that has been tuning in. Really appreciate it. We've got uh, more shows coming likely this month. I say likely. We got my brother coming uh, from the National Sports Card Convention, which uh, I've seen for numerous people. They, uh, They love that show. Well, I think last year it was like way, it was like four hours, six hours, uh, an incredibly long show. We might have to shorten it up a little bit or maybe try to get it to you in a little more bite-sized information. Also in Atlantic City, I believe last year the, the national was in, was like in Cleveland or something like that. So obviously not the kind of nightlife, the kind of stuff going on in Cleveland that there might be going on in Atlantic City. Although Atlantic City, I've heard, um, although I've never been there, I've heard it's a little, uh, obviously not what it used to be. I'm sure there's still plenty of uh, trouble to be had and, and fun to be had in Atlantic City. So we'll see how much time he has to to devote to that. I know he's got some interesting stuff planned. I won't. I don't think he's confirmed any of it. I think he's still getting equipment and things like that lined up um, and kind of testing his ability to uh, 
acquire this content over the uh, the national, but uh, should be really some fun stuff. Again, we'll have the videos on our YouTube page that I know are extremely popular and are viewed by um, thousands of people, actually. I view those, and we get tons of feedback daily, almost, on those videos, um, and, I, and people ask us all the time. Uh, about those videos so we'll certainly have those up but we'll have some other stuff some new stuff for you guys this year coming from the national if you're headed that way certainly send us an email send us a tweet Uh, if you want to meet up with my brother certainly be on location on the show floor i believe all the way up until the last day we'll have to confirm that with him uh, but i believe he's leaving a day early this year to uh, attend some other uh, things going on in the area so that about wraps it up. Again, eight years have gone by. Uh, don't be shocked if we'll be here another eight years. So thanks for tuning in. But for now, we are out of here.